We never talk about the devil having a will for. We always talk about God having a will for us, but yeah, the the devil and the evil spirits they also have a will for us, and it's rather clear, no? If God wants us to be holy and God wants to save our souls, the devil has the exact opposite plan, no? Uh, tradition has it that uh, the devil is actually quite envious of the human race. That's why the serpent tempted Eve and Adam no? in Eden. So he is, he is quite resentful and all he wants is to see our downfall. Hi, I'm Jude, and welcome to Sundays for Seekers. And this is Father Jay, and we're back to talk about another burning question about our faith. Yes, we have a really interesting topic for this episode. That's right, Jude, and for about half an hour, we're going to give our faith permission to wonder as it seeks understanding. This podcast is brought to you by Smart. Live smarter for a better world. And Unilab. Alagang tunay. Alagang Pilipino, yun nilabyan. Our question for today is literally a burning question. Father Jay, how do we deal with temptations? That is, of course, from the devil. But before that big question, Father, I guess the the Question before that is, is there such a thing as the devil in the first place? Are we expected to believe that this exists in this day and age? Well, that's a great question, Jude, because a lot of people are saying maybe we shouldn't believe in the devil. The devil is an ancient belief that's quite outdated. No? But I want to answer that question by talking to you about one of the films that scared me the most. No? I remember I was 11 years old. And I watched the movie The Exorcist, no, starring Linda Blair. I remember at that time when the movie first came out, we were told not to watch the movie because everyone who dares to watch the movie is going to die in three days. But just the same, because my father owned a movie house, I went to watch the movie, even if I was minor. And I have to say, I was terrified to death. Because the movie, I don't know if you've seen it, Jude, but the movie is about possession, diabolical possession. And the little kid there, the little girl there was possessed. And it's really a scary movie. So to answer your question, do I believe in the devil? The answer is yes, I believe in the devil. The church has always thought that there are fallen angels no they were angels before but because they fell in love with themselves they committed the sin of pride they became fallen angels and that's where satan or lucifer came from oh you know father i i'm not sure if i'm familiar with the, the exorcist but i do know the uh, the movie um exorcism of emily rose that's another one yeah that's another scary one but you know the, the nice thing about this well done exorcism movies is that they're quite religious they're quite spiritual you know because right for example when i saw the exorcist i've never prayed so much afterwards because i was so scared i was so scared of possession you know and after these movies a lot of people take from the exorcism scenes and have their own home remedies right 
all sorts of remedies, you know, and, and, uh, and, and, but you know, there's still many people who don't believe in them and I don't blame them because, because of science, sometimes we get the impression that we don't need to believe in such beings. No, of course we Catholics, and I think all Christians believe that the, these evil spirits are actual beings. No, but you know, for the sake of conversation, for those who don't believe in such beings, it's also important to learn how we can deal with temptations because Temptations also come from other forces. No forces. It doesn't have to. The forces don't have to be actual evil spirits. But there are many forces around us which are beyond us. No, that can bring out the worst in us. No, this can be social forces or cultural forces. So even if you don't believe in the devil, you don't believe in evil spirits. I think this episode will be interesting for you. That's right, Father. You know, we've been talking about God's will these past two episodes and from what you mentioned there are evil spirits and there are i suppose good spirits also so does it mean then father that the devil also has a will for us exactly i i think that's a refreshing way of putting it though we never talk about the devil having a will for we always talk about god having a will for us but yeah the the devil and the evil spirits they also have a will for us and it's rather clear no if god wants us to be holy and God wants to save our souls, the devil has the exact opposite plan. No? Uh, tradition has it that uh, the devil is actually quite envious of the human race. That's why the serpent tempted Eve and Adam no? in Eden. So he is, he is quite resentful, and all he wants is to see our downfall. So on the one hand, you have God who wills that we be holy, that we be saved. On the other hand, we have the devil and his minions, the evil spirits, who want nothing more than our condemnation, our damnation. So in a sense, you can say that there's a battle that's going on between the good and the evil, not just in the world, but in every person's heart. No? So every person experiences this conflict between good and evil. So on the one hand, it's important to discern God's will, but it's also important for us to watch out for the temptations of the evil spirits. So in a way, Father, the how movies portray it to be is actually quite true. Having, you know, while listening to you, I was imagining myself having an angel on one shoulder and a devil on one shoulder. How movies usually portray decision-making, people trying to figure out what to do. And from what you said, it seems that it really is that way. Two spirits battling, um, trying to get your attention, trying you to sway to one side over the other. Well, if we take it metaphorically, I would, I would agree with you. But I, I think we should you know, just, just warn our, our listeners and viewers that we're not supposed to take this literally. Like, for example, the usual uh, portrayal of the devil is that the devil has horns, wearing red tights with a tail, no? Uh, I'm afraid that's not how the devil looks like because if he wore that costume, we're going to be able to tell immediately that it's the devil and we're going to run away, right? The devil is much more cunning than that, no? The devil is much more subtle than that. And I, in fact, so many people say that the most important uh, victory of the devil now is to convince people that he doesn't exist, right? Because, Jude, what do you think? What, how do you think people feel if, if they believe that the devil doesn't exist? That's, you know, that got me, Father. That's the biggest temptation and the biggest win, really. Because if we think that the devil does not exist, then we just feel as if everything's safe, everything's okay. We follow whatever it is that we see in front of us or what people tell us to be without really knowing or being able to discern 
if that's something from God or the devil. Exactly. We won't be on our guard. If we don't believe that the devil exists or the evil spirits exist, we'll just go our merry way and, you know, and not knowing that we're already under the influence of the evil spirit. So I think one value of believing in the devil, the evil spirit, is that we'll be scared. And at the same time, we'll also be on our guard and we'll be watching out for temptations. So we'll try to be able, we'll try to resist temptations. So in a way, our episode is about discerning the devil's will, not in order to follow it, but obviously to reject it and to resist it at all costs. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So Father, let's get right to it. How do we know if something is from the devil and not from good spirits? Well, luckily, St. Ignatius came up with his rules for discernment. And the rules for discernment are just guidelines on how to discern God's will and the good spirits. But part of the package also is how to detect the evil spirit and how to be careful you know, with regard to the temptations that the evil spirit will throw our way. You know? So it teaches us not only how to tell what God's will is, but also how to detect when it is not God who is trying to influence us. You know? So St. Ignatius speaks not only of God and the good spirits, but also of the evil spirits. So Father, in those rules of rules for discernment, rather, are there like tips or certain steps to follow? Yeah, there are actually 22 rules or guidelines, but there are a few big ideas that I think our, our viewers and listeners will find really interesting. No? The very first big idea that we can get there is that Whereas the good spirit always tells the truth and always uses reason, the evil spirit is all about deception. No? In other words, you know, we're not, we don't call Satan the prince of lies for nothing. No? That's his main trick. He tries to trick us into believing all sorts of things so that we will commit the very things that God doesn't want us to commit. No? So um, that's why I think when we want to resist temptation, Self-awareness is really important because uh, one tool of the devil is rationalization no? and self-delusion. It's so easy to lie to ourselves, right? It's so easy to come up with reasons, poetic and philosophical reasons, to convince us that we're doing the right thing, when in fact, we're actually not doing the right thing. I don't know if you can think of an example, but many times I'm, I've been to many meetings where people are just fighting and arguing over something, and the reasons they're giving are pretty good. However, um, when, you, when you think about it, the reasons are not really the most important thing. It's really their biases against each other. No? So it's easy for us to deceive ourselves. So we have to really watch against self-deceit because that's really one of the strategies of the evil spirit. You know, listening to what you mentioned, Father, about making excuses about deception, it itself, well, the, like making excuses and self-deceit, I find myself doing that sometimes, hopefully not most of the time also, with how we try to find a way out because we want to explain things further and we want to make sense of why we are doing things Especially even if it's not something naturally good, right? So yeah, right, and and exactly because if when we feel that we're if when we know we're doing something that's not good, we want to justify ourselves to others, but also to ourselves, right? So so we really try to deceive ourselves. That's why in discernment, uh, it's important to have a spiritual director or companion. And uh, this is part of it. You can actually bring these things up to the person you're talking to. And the person can be an objective observer 
who can you know ask questions and ask you are you sure that this is true or are you are you just saying that because of this and that you know so so there's really a lot of wisdom in having a spiritual director or companion even in terms of managing our temptations or recognizing our temptations but you know father that always always goes back to self-awareness and honesty honesty with yourself and honesty with the spiritual director that you have but as you mentioned and i can i i also find that to be very helpful um, in my life having somebody a spiritual director to in a way have as a sounding board somebody to talk you into things or talk you out of things somebody to really see things from a bird's eye perspective it helps a lot and it doesn't have to be a professional spiritual director like a priest or a sister right it can be a friend who is also you know who 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 is willing to engage in spiritual conversations like who's willing to talk to you about your faith you know about your spiritual life i mean we we can find friends like that that we trust right and you can both learn together in the process so i would really encourage our viewers and listeners to find one no if not a a priest or a sister at least a friend who's also into the faith thanks for that tip father not needing a professional spiritual director but at least someone who can journey with you and accompany you through life and through your decisions as well in terms of discerning against temptations but father just a curious question with this topic on temptations um you know sometimes when we get tempted we are not really aware that there's this temptation right? we're not like jesus knowing that it's the devil right away who's tempting us into doing things or not doing things so I feel personally that there are times when my conscience bothers me after the fact. So after the fact of doing something, in a way, after being tempted and falling for that temptation. Now, what do you think can we do after that? Or how can we process things like that when we already fall into that trap? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, first of all, uh, that's exactly how the evil spirit works. No? It tries to be invisible because... When it's, you know, when we're able to detect and recognize the evil spirit for what it is, obviously we won't follow it unless we really want to, right? But I think most people will try to avoid following the evil spirit. That's why one of its main tactics is to be invisible, to be subtle, to pretend it's not there. No? So it's very common for us actually to fall into temptation. And to realize it only afterwards. No? And uh, I think what's important there is that we are able to look back and ask ourselves whether the things we've done is right or wrong. That's why examination of conscience is also a good practice. No? Like if something happened today, something significant, um, might be good to go back to it and think uh, and examine yourself and be really honest, as you say, you know, and also humble. So that if you made a mistake to admit it to God that, you know, oh, sorry, I screwed up there. I didn't notice the evil spirit. He was already all over me. I didn't notice that. No, Next time, I hope I'll do better. So the conscience is a very good barometer, as it were. You no. Know? If your conscience uh, bothers you, um, that's that's going to be a good, um, I think, a good sign. No? But you know, St. Ignatius gives us a very interesting insight about how our conscience bothers us, the so-called punks of conscience. No? Because in general, people think, ah, when, when I feel bothered, that means I did something wrong, right? But St. Ignatius has a very wise observation. He says, it depends. 
it's not always the case that if you feel bad, there's something wrong. No, it's also not always the case that when you feel good, that's God consoling you. No, what Saint Ignatius said is it depends on where you are in your spiritual life. It depends on what you're doing. No, let me explain that. No, so for example, if you're somebody who's trying to be a good person, you're trying your best to follow the commandments. You know, to be kind to your neighbors, to be generous, to be helpful, to pray. No, uh, if your orientation is more or less generally towards God. In other words, you're facing the right direction. Then that would be true. No, God would encourage you. God will make, will console you. Will you know, make you feel good about what you're trying to do. Uh, on the other hand, it's the devil who's going to make you feel bad. No, so you see, this is one example of uh, feeling bad as not. And it's an example of your the pangs of your conscience, right? It's a devil that's making you feel bad because it doesn't want you to continue. So, for example, let's say. Um, Let's say you have a friend, uh, you have you have somebody in the family who's who's sick, no, and nobody else is available to take care of this person in the hospital, no, and of course the hospital is a place that's a little bit risky right now because of all the because of the pandemic, right? So let's say you want to do that because you're a generally kind person and you love this member in your family, so you want to make a sacrifice, no, and you want to spend some time with this person in the hospital. What would God or the good spirit do? It would encourage you and say, yeah, you know, you're doing the right thing. You know, I know it's going to be hard, but you're doing the right thing. The evil spirit will, will you know, do the opposite. It will say, well, bahala ka, you know, let's see what happens to you when you go to the hospital. We all know all the viruses are all over the place and you think you're making a sacrifice, but this, your, 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 this person that you're going to take care of is going to be a, a pain in your neck because he is not an easy patient. So, you know, it's the evil spirit that's trying to discourage you by making you feel bad. Now, compare that to someone who is um, doing something opposite, somebody who is uh, about to do something wrong. No, uh, the good spirit or God will not encourage you. No, obviously, that's where the pangs of conscience come in, right? The good God and the good spirits will try to disturb you and say, "Wait a second. Are you sure you want to do this? No, but it's the evil spirit that's going to be encouraging you and say, you know what? Nobody cares. Everyone does it, right? So you see, it's important for us to nuance no? uh, how we feel because we need to interpret how we feel. And before we say it's from God or from the evil spirit, it's important for us to look at our direction. No? Uh, if you're generally towards God, in general, God will speak to you through peace and consolation and the evil spirit will be you know, uh, uh, creating turmoil and and uh, turbulence, no, and anxiety. But if you're doing something bad, it's the opposite. It's God who will who will create the the turbulence, no, and anxiety. And it's the evil spirit that's going to try to encourage you. Does that make sense to you? Yes, Father. It, it's actually a very helpful tool, also knowing that in your decision making, there are forces at work trying to encourage or discourage you. But you know, Father, listening to your portrayal of um, your portrayal of God trying to encourage or discourage and the bad spirits encouraging or discouraging. How I wish that um, they have this tone, right? With how you 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 portrayed it to be. Whenever it's the good spirit, there's a there's an encouraging tone or a formative tone. But when it's the bad spirit, it's really just pure evil. But in our life and Trying to think about it, most of the time, whenever these spirits or voices come in trying to encourage or discourage us, 
it's really hard to dis- to distinguish if it's a good spirit or a bad spirit. You can't. It's not. It's not as if you can hear the tone and the. Uh, you can see the face of the person or the color even having white or red uh, trying to trying to sway you towards one side so i think it's it's good that we are familiar that there are um two sides to things the encouraging and the discouraging side of the good spirits depending if you're doing it right or wrong and of course same same with the bad spirits but as you mentioned what's important is really the direction that you're facing that you're really doing things towards the good and for god yeah it's really it's really hard that's why that's why many people fall into temptation no and it's hard for two reasons the first is uh we're not always connected to ourselves usually when we're not mindful when we're running around all the time we're so busy we end up falling into temptation because we're not discerning we're not you know, we're not conscious, right? Uh, the second reason is that even when we're conscious, it's hard because the evil spirit, the devil, is quite cunning, you know? And it's very deceitful. It's not going to be obvious. It's not going to use a bad tone or an evil tone because you're going to be able to tell and you're going to run away, right? I mean, if if um, if the evil spirit appeared to me the way it appeared in the movie The Exorcist, I'm, go- I'm going to be the, ni- the, the holiest person in the world because... I- you know, I'll be forewarned ahead of time, right? But the evil spirit's not like that. You know, one of the other big ideas of Saint Ignatius is that the devil dangles a different carrot for each one of us. In short, the temptation that he uses to tempt us is customized for us. No, it's customized depending on what our vulnerabilities are, what we will fall into, because the evil spirit knows us very well, no? And so it uses a different carrot. Let, let me give you an example. No? So for example, if you're somebody who doesn't really care about spirituality, uh, your faith is, uh, let's say, very elementary, and you're, you haven't really spent time no, um, to nurture your faith, that car- the carrot that the devil will dangle in front of you is pleasure. Basically, that's going to be the main thing that he's going to use to attract you to commit sins. He's going to say, it's going to feel good. No, You're going to cheat other people. You're going to get ahead of them. That's great, right? No one's going to know. You're going to get away. You're going to feel smart about yourself. So it's going to be pleasure no? in, in every form. No? It can be physical pleasure. It can be you know social pleasure, psychological pleasure. So that's how the devil is going to tempt you. No? But if you're somebody who wants to be holy, you want to be good, but you're still a beginner, like you're just starting out, you're still not so strong in your faith, the evil spirit will use pain to discourage you. It will say, okay, you want to be holy? People are going to laugh at you. No one's going to take you seriously. You're going to fall flat in your face. You're going to be alone. You're going to be rejected. No, And uh, who knows? Maybe God doesn't exist, right? And it's all going to be frustrating. It's all going to be useless. So you see, it's pleasure and pain for somebody, for you know, for people who are just beginning the spiritual life. No, if you are not going towards God, it'll be pleasure because you're because that means you're you're really vulnerable to that. No, because you live a very worldly life, so pleasures are very powerful uh, temptations for you. But if you're starting out in the spiritual life, you're trying to do something good, but you're you're a beginner. Uh, the evil spirit will use pain, will scare you and say, Bahalaka, you want to do that? Let's see what happens, right? Now, what if you're more advanced in the spiritual life? What if you've, you know, you've tried, um, you've, you've gone through uh, retreats, you've prayed a lot, you've made sacrifices, 
pain will not be a uh, effective temptation anymore. Why? Because you've been through it and you're strong. No, your your faith is stronger. So what will the evil spirit use? What what carrot will the devil dangle before you? It will dangle a fake good. No, it will pretend that something is good, but actually it's not. No. Let me give you an example again. Let's say uh, let's say you're somebody who goes to church. You're very nice to people. You're you're always making sacrifices. And then there's, then you have a friend who doesn't. You have a friend who couldn't care less about the Sunday Mass, doesn't even attend the Zoom Masses, even if it's easier, uh, doesn't bother to read scripture or pray. So if you're if you're the you're more advanced in your spirituality, how will the devil tempt you? The devil will pretend that something is good when in fact it's not. No, in this particular case, one possibility is you know you condemn your friend and say, what's wrong with you? You're such a sinner. Why don't you do this? You know, I want to help you, you know? So you begin preaching to your friend. Uh, you become self-righteous and you become proud in the process. So you think you're doing something good when in fact you're falling for temptation already. So it's a very tricky uh, situation, right? So that's why it's important for us to really know where we are and get to know what carrot the devil likes to use to dangle before us. So self-awareness, again, we're, we're back to that. No, If you know yourself, if you know uh, how you are in your spiritual life, that's that's really one way of learning how to manage uh, and resist temptations. So it's really about finding the carrot, Father. The carrot that the devil is dangling above you. And of course, finding it, but not biting the carrot and not falling for it. But, uh, you know, Father, uh, many, unfortunately, how I see it and how, not experience it, but how I hear it from other people, many parents actually find themselves in that trap of that false good when they talk to their kids about um, the faith, about going to Mass. Many parents and other people end up being too self-righteous. And in a way, that drives young people away a little bit further because they feel as if, why are you doing this to me? I'll, I'll end up, well, for other young people, they think I'll, I'll find myself there when the time is right, so to speak, or I'll, I have my own pace. But there are people in their life who really try to pull them in a different way. And it's sometimes not the right way to do so yeah and and you know and the parents mean well they they want their kids to grow in their spirituality in their faith no but that shows you how some that, that it's a very thin line uh if so, some parents are able to do it they're able to you know like like talk to their kids and sort of express their desire their hope uh that the kids will take their faith more seriously because it's really important but other sort of fall into the temptation uh, of of you know of maybe sounding a little bit uh, pushy, a little bit self righteous, and aside from uh, aside from uh, falling into temptation, it's totally not effective. No, a hard sell, in my experience as a priest, is really doesn't work. Hard sell doesn't work at all. If anything, it drives people away. You know, so pushing people to go to church or to to, to their faith, it doesn't work. It, the, the pulling is more important to attract them, no? And of course, there's no formula for that. You have to find a way to, you know, to sort of make um, make uh, taking your faith seriously uh, something meaningful and something appealing to 
to uh, people, right? Especially if they're your children. So, so you know, I, I I commiserate with the parents because they obviously mean well. But that's a good, in a way, that's a good example because the the evil spirit can use even a good intention like that and twist it around if we're not careful. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful. We have to be on our guard. No, and and as I said earlier, the evil spirit has um, customized temptations for us. Eh? Like, you know, the, the evil spirit knows us well. In fact, sometimes the evil spirit knows us more than we know ourselves. So it uses uh, the, the, this particular temptation that, that works the, the best with you. And your temptation, Jude, for example, may not be the same as my temptation. It's, it's probably not the same because we're different people, right? So what you would fall for is something I may not fall for. But what I will fall for may be something it's not, you, it's not something you would fall for. So there's a special customized temptation. So Father, it, it really is somehow similar to God's will for us, right? It's customized, it's unique to each person. And at the same time, it's what God really wants of us. While the devil also wants us to fall for the will that the devil has for us. So they're very polarized and, of course, deceitful at the same time. Because we don't really know, especially in terms of the devil... If it's attracting us towards, um, towards, of course, the good or the evil spirit as well. That's right. And, and you know, one, one big difference, though, is that God really respects our freedom. We've been saying that, right? That God, you know, like leads you in a dance, doesn't force you to, to make this turn or that turn. No? The evil spirit sort of manipulates us, no? Manipulates us because it knows what we are going to fall for and it uses that. God doesn't work that way. God sort of just lets us be, encourages us. So the, the strategies are very different. No? Of course, the, the goals are also very different. For, for example, when we talk about um, like a favorite temptation, no? the, the devil has a favorite temptation for you, has a favorite temptation for me. And usually it's based on what our biggest needs are. You know, all of us have needs, right? We have a need for security. We have a need for social approval. We have a need for achievement in our lives. So all these needs are very healthy. They, they're, they're what makes us human. No? We have a need for relationships. No? Uh, but sometimes because of the way things happen in our lives, some of these needs become drugs. They become addictions. No? For example, if you grew up in a, in a family where uh, you felt a lot of deprivation, you were traumatized by the poverty of your family, there's a possibility that when you grow up, you become obsessed with riches or it becomes a very powerful need in your, in your part. No? Or maybe when you were growing up, uh, I mean, the adults in your life did not really pay, pay attention to you. So it became a hunger and you really need it and you really want it. So you always want social approval or honor. No? Or sometimes maybe, um, you know, like, you, you felt that uh, you, you, you didn't feel love when you were a kid. for or a, Even if you were loved, you didn't feel it. And it became a big thing. So now you're always looking for that. No? So the evil spirit is quite aware of what we need. No? What we call our fiercest hunger. No? Uh, because we all have hungers, right? So if you can identify what your most powerful need is, chances are, the favorite temptation that the devil uses on you is related to that. No? So, for example, if I'm somebody who's into power, like maybe when I was a kid, I felt um, I was never in control of my life. So when I grew up, for some reason, I feel I must always be in control, right? So let's say I'm already a boss in, a, in an organization. 
I'm running a meeting. No? And in the meeting, I'm talking about an idea that I have. And then one of the new guys uh, raises his hand and says, uh, boss, what about this other idea? Because I'm thinking if you do it your way, maybe these things might happen and they're not really good, right? And so what happens? If you're into power, you the, the evil spirit will probably whisper to you at that point and say, oh, see, you have this newbie who doesn't know anything about the work. He's just here a few months and now he's threatening your authority. What are you going to do, right? So he's already manipulating you so that you will fall for that because your need, no, you're being driven by your need for power. There are many such examples, no, like um, other examples would be, for example, if you're about to make a decision that affects other people, no, and then your your strongest need is for social approval. How do you think the devil will tempt you? I think the the devil will really try to get you to feel, try to get you to that part wherein you'll feel good or people will applaud you or um, give you praises as well. And, and you might do everything, even immoral things, just to get that, right? So the, the devil might actually say, oh, you're, they're going to all applaud you. They're all going to honor you and glorify you if you do this. Never mind if you're breaking the law. Never mind if you're lying to them, you know. So you fall into temptation, right? So these are just ex some examples of how, you know, based on our needs, uh, the one or two needs that are most powerful in us, uh, the temptations that we're subjected to are sort of customized and tailor-made for us. So the more we know ourselves, the more we uh, understand ourselves and how we are driven by certain needs, I think the better we will be able to resist the temptation. You know, St. Ignatius compares the evil spirit to a cunning general. No? And what does a cunning general do? It looks at the, uh, enemy, the enemy territory and it studies where the enemy is most vulnerable. That's where it's going to attack, right? And that's how the evil spirit is. You know, Father, that really makes so much sense with the uh, devil trying to figure out, as you mentioned a while ago, our favorite tem the favorite temptation is really where our fiercest hunger is. Which is why when we talk about self-awareness, I think it's important for us and it's important for me to not only be aware of where I am now, but also of my experiences from the past. Because it very much also has a say into what I may need now and what my fiercest need is or fiercest hunger is right now. And that's where the devil really gets to us. But at the same time, on, on, on the other hand, that's also where the Lord tries to encourage us. But of course, the biggest difference, as you mentioned, is the Lord will not manipulate us because he respects our freedom, while the devil will try to manipulate us into where the devil wants us to go or to decide. Now, we can't overemphasize the importance of self-awareness. And as you, as you pointed out, self-awareness results from understanding your past and accepting your past as well. No? Because, you know, I mean, things go wrong in our lives, right? And, and sometimes things go very wrong and we're, we're, so, we're so hurt or sometimes we're damaged by that. But that's okay. You know? uh, part of us, part of who we are is because of the past. But part of who we are is also going to be the future, what we do with our lives, what we do with the present, right? And we won't really be able to define who we want to be if we're not free. 
And we can only be free if we understand ourselves and accept ourselves. And as we have seen, both in managing temptations and also discerning God's will, self-awareness plays a very important part. No? So it's important, I think. So I, I'd like to encourage our listeners and viewers to really take time out to get to know themselves better because that's really important. No, That's, that's important for discerning God's will. And as we've seen today, it's very important as well for dealing with temptations and resisting temptations. I think that's a good way to wrap up this episode, Father. Answering the question, how do we deal with temptations? It's really being aware of yourself, trying to figure out your past and accepting your past and looking to the future as well. So aside from self-awareness, you also mentioned, Father, how to deal with temptations. It's, of course, trying to... Another tip is, as you mentioned, is to get somebody else to be objective in your life. So a spiritual director or a friend who also tries to walk with you towards God. And the last that you mentioned, um, how do we deal with temptations? As we move along life, we can also figure out what our fiercest hunger is because that will most probably be the favorite temptation that the devil has, has for us. That's a great wrap. That's a great recap, Jude. So thanks for that. If you want to subscribe to Sundays for Seekers, you can find us in all the usual places where you find podcasts. Be a Sunday Seeker by joining our Facebook group, Sundays for Seekers, at facebook.com slash groups slash Sundays for S. Tell your friends about us by using the hashtag, hashtag Sundays for S. So Father Jay, what's your crucifix for us today? You know, I was looking at my gallery of crucifixes to find what crucifix will be appropriate for our topic today. And this is what I found. I found a rather old crucifix, uh, which looks very uh, traditional, but also a little bit strange. It's a Jerusalem crucifix, actually. And you will see that there are uh, four uh, objects there. Those are actually... Um, uh, objects from the Holy Land, no? so from Calvary and so on and so forth. And I chose this crucifix because, um, in a way, when you think about it, uh, in exorcisms, uh, crucifixes are really a powerful instrument. No, um, The movie, The Exorcist, and The Exorcism of Emily Rose, uh, the weapon used by The Exorcist is a crucifix and holy water aside from prayer no so that's so that's why I, I chose this because it looks like an exorcist crucifix because of the the stones from the holy land no but i think more important than the paraphernalia of the crucifix the holy water and the and the prayer book what's really important is the faith no our faith um i remember one scene in the exorcist when um the older exorcist, the veteran exorcist, was telling the novice because there were two exorcists, no? the older one, the younger one. The older one was advising the, the younger one, saying, do not listen to the devil. It's going to twist your mind. It's going to deceive you. Do not engage it. Just ignore it. No? So that's, that really ties up with what we were saying earlier about you know, the devil being full of deception and to just hang on to our faith. And that's really our biggest weapon against um against temptation, so self-awareness and faith. Thank you, Father. And thank you also for the past how many episodes you've been uh, walking us through your room, your exorcism room, as you mentioned before. 
Every Sunday, Pins of Light comes up with a one-minute homily, something to provoke you into prayer and reflection. Get your weekly Sunday Gospel Fix. Follow the Pins of Light Facebook page at facebook.com slash pinsoflight. Also available in Filipino at facebook.com slash pinoylights. So every episode, we give a takeaway question to our viewers and listeners. So for this episode, Father Jay, what will it be? Okay, Jude, I think I have a good one for everyone today. No? It's, ve- it's a very important question, so I hope everyone will take the time to really think about it. No? So here's the question. What do you think is the devil's favorite temptation with you? No? It's good to name it so we can prepare against this temptation. And the way to answer it is what we were discussing earlier. No? What would be your fiercest hunger? What is your most powerful need? that might make you vulnerable to the temptations of the devil. It may have something to do with security. It may have something to do with riches, relationships, social approval or honor, or control and power. So those are some of the things you can think about. Maybe choose one and ask yourself, how does that play out in actual life? How How would the devil tempt you if the devil knew that this was your Achilles heel, this was your weakness. I think that's going to be a very important reflection. Thank you for that question, Father. And hopefully our viewers and listeners uh, get to really deep dive into this question. Maybe not comment because it's a very personal question. But another way maybe is for you to find somebody to talk about this, to talk to to talk to about this question and really try to process that favorite temptation or the fiercest hunger that you have. We also have our related question from the audience for every episode. And for today, our question is from Vivian Cornerup. She asked, is there really hell? Well, that's a very relevant question to what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the devils, evil spirits. So uh, it's no surprise that our question today is about hell, no? And that's a very important question as well. Uh, The quick answer to that is yes, there's hell because uh, the Bible says so, that there's hell. Uh, Now, exactly where is hell? What does it look like? That's a different story. That's a different question. Uh, I think what hell means, uh, as far as the church is concerned, is that it's eternal separation from God. That's going to be hell, to be eternally separated from God. Because we have all been created to be united with God. So hell is the state where we are eternally separated from God. And it's not a nice place because of that. No? A related question will be, where is hell and what does it look like? And we don't know. All we know is that there must be a lot of pain and suffering because we'll, we're going to be separated from God for all eternity. You know? The second thing we want to say is, uh, is, um, is, is there somebody in hell, right? Um, And I think the church very wisely refrains from naming anyone who's in hell because we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if Judas is there. We don't know who else is there. We don't know if anyone is there. So there is a hell, but we don't know what God actually decided when he faced all the people. And we don't know what he will decide when when he faces us. Because God is just, but he is also merciful. No? So it's a question we cannot answer. The third related question, I think, is 
who has the power to send us to hell? And usually we think it's God, right? And it's true, God can send us to hell if he wants to. No? But I think many theologians are also saying that actually the person who has the power to send you to hell is you. Because you have the freedom to say no to God. And I think that's the most important message here when we're talking about hell. That each one of us, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, we have the power to send ourselves to hell because of the freedom that God has given us. So the message is, let's take our freedom seriously. Let's use our freedom responsibly because we can actually send ourselves to hell, separation from God for all eternity, if we don't use our freedom well. Thank you for those three things, Father. Very important. And what a way to end this episode for today. And I guess that's a good way to bring our episode this week to a close, right? For sure, Father. So let us know what you think. And if you have any more questions, any more burning questions through the comment section or through the uh, well comments for both YouTube and Facebook group. So Joe, that was fun. And I hope our viewers and listeners learned something that they can take away and actually apply in the real world. So meanwhile, as we always say when we close our podcast, do keep the faith. And keep on seeking. The Sundays for Seekers logo was designed by Jem Jemzon Tan. Our theme was composed by Marvin Ong. And this episode was produced with Glenn Lopez of Upstream Media PH. Sundays for Seekers has been brought to you by Smart. Live smarter for a better world. And Unilab. Alagang tunay, alagang Pilipino. Unilab yan!